When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on? What do I do, guys? I can't hear anything. What do I do? Drew, could you hear something in yours? No, right? Are you on best of? Are you on best of? We have dead air? We got to put a best of on Drew. We're going to lose every station we have. End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light, no matter what you at home choose to believe. Do admire you for your curiosity, live and direct right now. On the TuneIn Radio app, search End of Days, and of course you'll find the 24-7 network. Go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of the show. My guest tonight is Marshall Masters. He's been on here before. I would like to give him a proper introduction. However, he is already holding on the line. Let's get right to him. Marshall, is that you? I'm here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here and not somewhere else. <laughs> you know, it's always an honor privilege to talk to you here likewise i always enjoy our get-togethers feels more like pizza and beer night it really does it really does and just like last time marshall uh, another tragic incident occurs this time in new york and this time in this place and this time in that place do you see the pattern yeah there's just a lot of stuff that's coming unglued a lot of things that are being provoked it Reminds me of the cycle of empire and how empires implode. And we share, we're following the same pattern. People who don't think it should really understand we are an empire. I agree. I agree. Now, Marshall, let's give the listeners just a little background on who you are. Sure enough. Well, I've been writing on the topic of Planet X since January of 2002. I do the website, Your Own World USA at yowusa.com or just marshallmasters.com. And I've authored, authored several books. Um, my latest ones are Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, a faith-based leadership guide. And the other is Survival Wellness Advocacy and the Big Win, 
And uh, with that book, Survival Wellness Advocacy, if you go to my church site, knowledgemountain.org, you can download the PDF ebook for free. Very nice. Very nice. Now, Marshall, all these subjects that we talk about and you talk about, when exactly was the first time you heard of the 12th planet? Well, that was probably back in about 2001. And in 1999, I started working with a couple of other folks in Mensa. And uh, that's a society for people with high IQs who are socially challenged. And <laughs> Oh, my. <laughs> that's the truth. And um, we were really curious about global warming or what they call weather weirding or whatever new name they're going to put on it to steer the conversation down a rabbit hole. And we were analyzing it, and what we really found was that, yes, in fact, it is happening. And, however, it is not principally man-made. Now, man-made causalities are significant, and especially with what we're doing with acidification and dead zones in the oceans and cutting down the forests as fast as we can. In the Amazon, we're hacking down a chunk of the Amazon the size of the state of Vermont every year. And that's, of course, is throwing a lot of carbon in the air. But the principal driver of climate change is this solar pattern that is going on now with this slight increase, ever so slight increase in luminance. We were trying to determine was this change in solar behavior something that was a cycle or a pattern. We couldn't establish that. So then the question was, well, if it is truly happening, then it would be affecting other planets in our system with an atmosphere. And when we started looking at the other planets, Mars and Jupiter and so forth, oh, it was clearly that was the pattern. So everything with an atmosphere is being impacted. And then the next logical question was, well, if the sun is interacting with another object that is causing this, is that a captive or a rogue? If it's a captive, it's been caught into the gravity well of the sun and it's now in orbit around the sun. If it's a rogue, like Comet Lee was back in 1999, it's just so fast, it's coming from beyond uh, the Oort cloud, flying in, and then flying right out the other side of our solar system, just punching through like a high-speed bullet. That's a rogue. Right. What we determined is that the sun was interacting with a captive, something in orbit around it, and that was what inevitably led us to Planet X. And uh, the first article I published in 2002, Dr. Brian Marsden of the Smithsonian Astrophysics Lab actually helped me with the scenario and that the, the book was titled, Did Planet X Kill the Dinosaurs? And um, that's that's where I got my start. And since then, it's been 24-7, been covering it constantly ever since then. And so you know, there is no degree program in college. You, when it comes to Planet X, there's only one way you, you come to it. You walk straight backwards into it. Understood. And I agree. I agree completely, and I believe the first time I even heard of any of this was through the book, The, Tw the Twelfth Planet by Zachariah Sitchin. Um, oh, excellent book. Oh, I loved it. Oh, I, obviously, you read it yourself. Yes, and um, 
My favorite book by Sitchin mm-hmm. is actually uh, The Lost Book of Enki. Oh, yes. Published in 2003. And Lost Book of Enki is the autobiography of Lord Enki of the Anunnaki, who, according to himself in this autobiography, is the father of our current species. In other words, we came from his loins. Um, at the time, there was nothing noble or phenomenal about it. Uh, they were breeding a hybrid race of uh, right. early hominid ancestors with Anunnaki genes so that they could mine gold. And we're producing in the last batch some rather attractive ladies. And he was walking along a river one day and caught a caught sight of a couple of earth girls. And right. Went, I, I got to get me some of that. And it know? was over. And that's it. And boom, here we are. And that's how we came to be. And I was always fascinated by the Sumerian culture, the Anunnaki. It's all very interesting. Ancient cultures all have these uh, stories out there of gods descending to earth. And, of course, the return of the gods is also, of course, a part of every other culture that's out there. And all of that stuff is is insanely fascinating. And it, it's all it's always blown my mind, to be honest with you. Even since I was a little boy, that's kind of what got me interested in all these other subjects, really. Well, you know, it does get there. And um, there was a and another book that was interesting. A friend of mine is reading it now, and she's. Uh, it was the book that preceded Velikovsky's Worlds in Collision. And she feels that it's actually a better book than Worlds in Collision because it describes exactly what's going on with us right now and what what's coming down the pike for us yeah, in incredible, incredible detail. So there's a lot of this stuff. But, you know, the other day I was just speaking with a fellow. Just uh, I have, in addition to my publishing, I, I started a church for folks that are in awareness. Wow. And uh, we're not a replacement faith. It's... Uh, if what you got works, ain't broke, don't fix it. We just fill in the gaps and teach universal truths. But the real purpose of the church is to be in service to people who are in awareness. So they have a place to meet others who are in awareness and have been usually for quite some time in their lives, many since childhood. And um, you know, he was telling me that he had gone through this path of spiritualism and went down to South America and was doing the ayahuasca ceremonies. Oh, very nice. And he was completely, this is where he learned about what's coming because the shaman there were telling him this is what's coming. So the the folks down in South America that are doing the ayahuasca ceremonies and they're having this expanding these expanding experiences, oh, yeah. they're into it. And the wisdom teachers in a lot of different areas are into it, and they're all seeing the same thing. They're seeing what I see, and I see what they see, and that we're really at the threshold of a major evolutionary event in our species where we are going to go from, I would say, homo sapien to homo spiritual. Interesting. I was going to talk to you about uh Michio Kaku, how he always mentions the three types of civilizations, and of course the third being somewhat um little shaky there, as he would mm-hmm. describe it himself. 
Um, what's your opinion on that? On Michio Kaku? Yeah, on, on him and, and just the, the whole three types of civilizations and his interpretation. Well, I, I would have to, you'd have to help me with that, but I mean, I like, I like Michio Kaku. You like him though? Oh, okay. Oh, I like you the love guy. him. He's, he is totally cool. I, totally. I dig him too. He's a, he's a righteous dude, man. He really is actually. <laughs> I, I'm into him. Yeah. Yeah. He's I always enjoy. I, you know, and so tell me about these three types of civilizations. I'm well, interested to know. Yes. And you know, before we get into that, I, I'm, I'm jumping around here just because you, you mentioned that. But before we get into those three types of civilizations, I want to put that on hold. You were also a former employee of CNN. And of course, you know what's going on with them right now and those folks out there. Are, are you surprised about any of this, Marshall? I agree with Larry King. They need to change the name to the Cartoon News Network. And that's the latest buzz in the mainstream media. And, of course, I personally feel like today journalism is completely dead. Oh, God, you're so right. Look, when I was at CNN, it was in the 80s, all right? And I remember going down the hall and seeing Ted Turner's office in the corner and his door open and hearing him on the phone. And Turner was a hard-driving son of a gun. He was one hell of a newsman, one hell of a newsman. But it was a time when there was competition. And I can't understate the importance of competition. Now, what happened was it was uh, one of the Powells. Um, this was during the second Bush administration. And the Republicans wanted to be able to deal with what they felt was a liberal press and be able to get their message out. And there was a long-standing rule with the FCC that really sharply limited the number of media outlets a single company could control. And that one FCC ruling was one of the greatest protections of free speech and a free press in this country, period. It was, it was just one of those things that was brilliant. Well, it was in the way of business. And so this Powell that was in there, the son of Colin Powell, and it was this guy, you know, he had no business being there. But it was a political appointment, and his job was to act that rule, and he did. So what happened after that was the consolidation of the news business to what we see today. And, uh, for example, Clear Channel, it's like, you know, you have guys that'll show up. Right. And they're everywhere all across the country. Mm-hmm. All right. Why is that? Well, Clear Channel would go into a local market. They'd go to a station owner and they'd say, uh, here's our offer for your station, which typically was going to be much more than what the station was worth. And. They said, you take it or we'll grind you into the dust. Oh, my. That's that's the way they play ball. And so what would happen is these these guys would just take the money and run. And then what Clear Channel would do is go in to the station. And uh, the first thing was they would um, go into the head end, technical equipment, and right. they would put in their black box. That black box was a direct connection to their studios in Los Angeles or wherever and where they could pump whatever message they wanted 
from a central location to all their different affiliates that they owned. And then the next thing they would do was once that was operational, they would go into the newsroom, keep one or two people, fire the rest. I see. Because uh, they were just in the way. Right. And so they eliminated any semblance of competition in the media. And it was competition that gave us a vibrant press. That's what gave us a vibrant. And the Republicans destroyed that. Now, I'm not, I don't like the Republicans and the, nor the Democrats, you know, I, I think political parties are the, the bane of our worries and troubles. Yes, those two parties uh, are going to drive us to the ground, in my opinion. They are. They are. And, uh, the two party system is, uh, it's just hopelessly corrupt. I am afraid so. Yeah, it is. And so now I look at the competition. When I was at CNN, we were competing against 50 other media outlets. news outlets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there you can count them on one hand and it's really no longer about competition. It's about demographics. Ratings. Yeah. Uh, Fox for the right, MSNBC for the left, and CNN was like the filling in a Oreo cookie, kind of the mush in the middle. And so that's where they were. And it all became, it no longer came, uh, ethics and getting the story and having a sense of responsibility to the public, all of that went away. Um, this whole thing with the Russian angle, it has blown up in CNN's face, rightfully so, because they, it was ratings. You know, it didn't matter what else was happening as long as they were running stories on that. That's what their, uh, list, that's what their viewers wanted and, uh, that's what the advertisers wanted. And it was all about selling advertising. So the lean, mean news machine that I knew in the eighties is dead. I mean, Good Lord, I, I think it was 15 years ago, I was in the science department with CNN. I did three-minute features. Well, they don't do three-minute features, and they don't have a science department. Haven't had one for right. almost, like I think, 15 years. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's one of those things that I'm almost really starting to think about. Maybe it's time to take CNN off my bio, you know. It's, oh my! Yeah, it's an embarrassment. <laughs> oh my! I, you know, I just wanted to ask you about that because you've been inside the belly of the beast. Yeah, and at one time, by golly, you know, when I was at CNN back in the eighties, I was, you know, I, I had my degree in communications, and I loved doing what I was doing, and. The folks that I was working with, remember how they always had the picture of the newsroom? Uh-huh. And you had all those reporters. And when I, I would have to go to Atlanta four times a year with talking about my stories. And the produce, my executive producer sometimes would have to take me in there to, to meet some of the producers. So there, I mean, some of the reporters. I hated going in that room because the tension was so thick. You could cut it with a knife. I used to walk out of there with stress pains in my chest. You must have been walking out very sweaty, too. Oh, it was tough. It was tough, man. That was like, get the story. And, uh, you know, they, and it was something where you could, uh, you could call them and 
they'd talk to you and say, hey, I got a possible story here I could produce with you guys. I mean, and then after that FCC ruling that Republicans rammed through, that was the beginning of the end. It just killed it. It just killed it. You know, I wonder what media outlet is there now that's not biased? Which one doesn't have a political narrative? Local news? God, <laughs> you know, that's... Everyone has an agenda, and these are very surreal times in our nation's history, I must say. And I must ask, where where the hell is all this headed towards in the next few years, Marshall? Well, the mainstream media the, or the lamestream media are just simply the term fake news has... Yeah, the funny thing was they used it first to accuse other people and it wound up like a boomerang right back on them. And uh, that for me is hysterical. But I think people put a lot more credit credence in frankly Facebook and YouTube. Yeah. I um, think you're right. I, that's the first thing people check when they wake up. That's right. Or they go to Drudge, you know, and, uh, and it's like, it's no fun going to Drudge because you see a news story, you click into it, next thing you know, your virus program is going crazy. It's going, <laughs> warning, warning, Will Robinson, danger, danger, thousands of viruses, you know. And uh, so that's no fun there either. But it it's going into con, uh, control freak mode. And could it be fixed? All they'd have to do is reinstate that simple rule at the FCC, and it would fix it. They would go back to what works. Now, I mean, if Trump, to me, Trump is hypocritical because he's so busy having a lot of time smashing the media with fake news and bashing them and degrading them, and he's really missing the train here. He's been having fun on Twitter, huh? Oh, yeah, he's really having fun on Twitter. But if the guy was really serious (laughs) about cleaning up the mess. That's so funny. He would go and say, we're reinstating the rule and divestiture, but he's not going to force divestiture, period. And, uh, you know, that's the way. So, I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's, with, I look at Trump and I look at the media. It reminds me of this great old expression from Texas. Anybody will stop to watch a dog fight. I agree. And everybody, that's exactly all it is. Yes. It's a dogfight. <laughs> yes. And the the net effect of it is uh, with our media, and it, for a while we were saying, well, we could still trust the print media. We can't even trust the print media. We really can. We really can. The Washington Post, okay, Bezos, if there's one man in the world that would love to have the First Amendment repealed, it's Jeff Bezos, period, okay? True. I mean, this guy really hates the notion of free speech. A lot of them truly do. A lot of them truly do. If he can't package it and sell it on Amazon, get rid of it. It shouldn't exist. Yes. And um, with the Washington Post, he came out, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is a story I'm going to call the Planet Nine Conspiracy. And because I watched that whole thing unfold, and what happened was they had these astronomers at Alma Observatory, very prestigious observatory down in South America, and they spotted two massive objects way out at the edge of the system. 
out in the Kuiper Belt. One which they said was a super Earth, several times the size of Earth. And the other, the speculation was that it could be a very cold, excuse me, very cold brown dwarf star. Right, right. Now, when they made mention of a brown dwarf, and I was, you know, I have the, I have their white papers. I put them up on my website because I knew they weren't going to last and they sure didn't. And, um, the, there's, the, for a while there was, if you were, had any gravitas and you talked about Planet X, like Robert H. Harrington, he was the Naval Observatory, uh, U.S. Naval Observatory chief astronomer. And he was the guy that, published a brilliant paper on Planet X and had special observations made with a specially constructed telescope, a sky survey from New Zealand. And uh, he was assassinated because he got into one of the things that you don't do. There's, You can talk about Planet X. What you cannot talk about is that we're in a multiple sun system and you cannot talk about the possibility of life, sentient life, existing on a planet in orbit around our sun, other than our own. Yes. If you have gravitas and you do those two things, you have French kissed the third rail. All right. Well, I saw what these guys in Chile did, and they were doing really first-rate science. They were going, publishing these brilliant papers. I thought they were really even-handed. And what they were really saying to the other astronomers was, we found something. We've opened a mystery. Let's all explore it together. And, you know, if we find it's a non-starter, it was a one-trick pony, a fluke, Right. we'll be happy to pull the papers. So they started off doing good, good science. No good deed it was unpunished. Oh, I love saying <laughs> that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no good deed and, does pardon? not go unpunished, in fact. That's right. That's it. Good deeds do not go unpunished. They and so do. the next thing that happens is these guys really, they, they, they huge step across the line. Huge, 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 huge. And the, there was, uh, obviously this went on two tracks behind the scenes was a tremendous amount of political and economic pressure. That was what was below the water. What was above the water line was a smear campaign led by Jeff Bezos with his Washington Post. So what they did was first off, they had to go to get an astronomer who had serious gravitas or reputation and they needed somebody with an ego. Well, they found it. They found Mike Brown. His he his his Twitter account is Pluto Killer. He's real proud of the title. Oh my. And Mike Brown has an ego the size of Texas. Jupiter. Oh, I was <laughs> gonna say Texas, but you said Jupiter. My God. I mean this guy just you know, he is so in love with himself. He's Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Jesus with a telescope. Wow. I see. And, uh, that's, oh, yeah. that's an interesting archetype. That, that, there you go. And so what they did was now they needed, now that they had their bad boy, their bully boy, they had their forum, but they needed a reporter to do the dirty deed. Okay. Well, none of the stand up reporters at post 
we're going to take this on because it was a, it was just simply a political smear job. It was a terrible vitriolic piece of trash. Mm. But they, so they go and they find this gal, Sarah Kaplan. Now, when it comes to astronomy, she's about, her background in astronomy is about as thin as single ply toilet paper. I'm talking about that red looking stuff they use in Russia that leaves a burn mark on your butt, you know? (laughs) And I mean, that was about as thin as it gets. And her specialty was writing articles about where do you get the best bagel in town? So I call her Bagel Bait. So now they go to her. She's got a chance to play with the big boys. She goes for it like a mullet. And they put Pluto Killer together with Bagel Babe to go do a smear job. And they both are, they're both doing the smears. Now, Pluto Killer is out smearing these guys at the Alma Observatory in the most unprofessional, venomous, vitriolic piece of trash I have ever seen. Mm, Typical. Okay. I mean, it was as insulting as, you know, I mean, he might as well have been saying something disgusting like, when you talk to a white man, take your hat off. All right? I mean, it was that kind of putrid. My goodness, yes. Lower talent, I see. Low. Then he's smashing those guys. But then what they do is they get Bagel Babe to chime in. And she's attacking and smearing Percival Lowell and Clyde Tombaugh. Now, Percival Lowell founded the flags, the, the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona in the early 1900s, right after the turn of the century. He was a wealthy Bostonian and he went out there and he did it. Now, Percival Lowell, the reason why she's smearing Percival Lowell was that he was the the father of Planet X research in America, okay? And Percival Lowell is the man who coined the term Planet X. I see. All right? So. Interesting. You know, this man, you know, for his passion, he followed his love, no tax dollars, it was just a pure gift of passion and knowledge to the public. And he enthralled people with the canals of Mars that he mapped out. And I remember um, Robert H. Heinlein wrote a, a book, uh, The Red Planet. And I recall. Uh, it was the very first book I read when I was a kid, when I got my adult library card. Mm-hmm. And I read it three times. I was just mesmerized. Well, he was doing observations, really to find Planet X. And he actually, they went through his photo plates and they found that he had actually imaged Pluto a few years before Clyde Tombaugh, who was an employee of the Lowell Observatory. And so Clyde Tombaugh discovers Pluto. And that was really, really impressive. And they thought that they had discovered Planet X, Neptune's perturber. But it was until the uh, moon of Pluto was discovered, Sharon, that they were able to actually determine the actual size of Pluto, which is only 60% the size of our own moon. So it didn't have the mass necessary to be Planet X. Correct. And the search was on. But they, what, so what they did was they used Pluto Killer to smear with venom and filth these honest astronomers 
in South America. And then they used bagel babe at the Washington Post to smear these men who've done great things, all because they had to kill this thing as fast as they could. Right. And they did. Okay? They did. It was, you know, I mean, it was classic. Remember from Vietnam, search and destroy. If, you know, kill them all, let God sort them out. That right. was it. It was just scorched earth. Interesting, yes. Well, uh, what you have to do after something like that is you kill the conversation. Well, yeah. But you, you don't you kill to. the story. So now what you have to do is that you have to take the story angle and you need to redirect it in a way that you can control it. So what do they do? They go back to potty mouth, Mr. Pluto killer, and he goes and gets this fakakata planet nine thing, which is probably some student wrote a paper, got a D on it, but it's still sitting on the shelf sucking dust. He dusts it off and voila, they make the big announcements, planet nine. Well, they haven't found it. And all they have found is more and more astronomers are coming out and going, now nah, they're not going to find it. <laughs> and because it's a half cooked, it's a half baked idea. It's an undergraduate paper that never, you know, passed any kind of peer review. That's where all this stuff came out of. That's my opinion. And so now they're talking about in Arizona, they think they've discovered Planet 10. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, I saw that article recently posted about the University of Arizona confirming an unseen planetary mass object, correct? Right, mm-hmm. right. But now they don't know what to call it. Do they call it Planet 9 or do they call it Planet yeah, 10? Right. Yes. Okay. It's funny. I think, I think that what they should do with Mike Brown and Babel Bait, you know, Bagel Babe, Bagel this bait. whole schmear that they did, okay, is instead of calling it Plan 9 or Planet 9, they should call it by that science fiction movie from, what was it, the 50s, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, that's a great film, by the way, if you haven't seen it. It's the worst film that was ever produced. I, I love it. It's so, ba- it. it's so bad. It? I, it's so bad. I love it. The Flying Tin Plate? It's so bad, Marshall. It's like watching Sharknado drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's good times. It's good times. I promise. Oh man, you know the uh well, you know what the heck? They're finally selling recreational pot in <laughs> Nevada. Maybe it's time for me to revisit that movie. <laughs> it, it's time. I'm telling you, you watch it with an entirely different perspective now, Marshall. You just got to appreciate the bad. Oh, okay. Just take well, it in. Probably, just take it in. Probably easier after a few bogus. <laughs> Yeah, it probably would be. But by the way, that reminds me, the uh, Spitzer Space Telescope did find those seven Earth-sized planets around the single star. What's your opinion on that? Are we actually going to find life finally, Marshall? It seems like the Internet is a buzz. You have all these uh, quote-unquote fake news things coming out from Anonymous putting out these videos that say NASA is going to disclose alien life, this and that. Um, the usual song and dance, Marshall. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd say that. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and it's like... How many times have you heard that? Oh, man, it's just, you know, tease me once, tease me twice, forget about it, been there, done that. And it's just, they're doing all this teasing because... 
they're seeing people are starting to get interested in this. I was going to say that, yes. And what they want to do is the whole point of disinformation and propaganda is to particularly disinformation is rub people down a rabbit hole so you can exhaust their interest. That's the whole point of it. And um, I'm not seeing anything here where it's real serious and something to uh, to get in a twist about. It's just the same old run them down the rabbit hole kind of nonsense. And they'll do it, and they'll do it, and they'll do it. And a lot of people are going to come in, whoa, 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 whoa. And then, you know, it's like eating lettuce. You know, you got to eat a whole head of lettuce to get a few net calories. And you're like, when you're finished with that, all you, you know, all you're doing is <laughs> your jaw is sore and you're going to the bathroom a lot. So you say, ah, the hell with the lettuce. And that's what they're doing is they're just getting people to eat a bunch of lettuce. This, uh, they're going to manipulate it. But then also when things do start to pop, then it gives them a fallback situation where they can say, look, we were talking about these things. All right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the assumption being that people are really, really stupid and they're not going to know when they're being lied to. I mean, when I look at science today and I'm really and I'm comparing it with science, even that I was reporting on when I was at CNN and it's uh it's just a huge, huge difference. I think the there are people in science that want to do good science and take it seriously. Correct. But I think the public side of science, the message is we're the only ones that have the right to be wrong because you're too damn stupid to figure it out on your own. Mm. And that, to me, is the message of science these days. I don't see, I don't see any difference between science and religion. They all have their sacred cows. They all have their political intrigues. They all have their behind the the curtains abuses. It's all a disgusting, corrupted business. It really is. Money inevitably corrupts. It seems like everyone now in this current era that we are in and existing in, it seems like we already know that this is a big broken system. Yet no one can figure out what what to do to actually fix it. Is that fair to say, Marshall? It's fair to say, and I don't think there is anything to fix it. I think, look, we're in the cycle of empire, all right? The cycle of empire is an empire, and the United States is an empire. And we became an empire after World War II with the advent we, you know, we created this industrial military complex, the right. pharma complex, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, these huge, big self-interest took over, and we went down the path of empire. And we were doing that before, but, I mean, it was – it became totally unbridled. And the thing about empires is they rise up quickly while everybody has a piece of the action. And then once people do not all have a good piece of the action, the resources are more difficult to obtain. You don't have all that low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And once you're, you've lost all the low-hanging fruit, what happens is that the ruling elites begin to consolidate the wealth into their own hands and the power. When you look at our planet, less than a 1,000 people or so, own 
80, 90% of the planet. Correct. That's a slave world. Word. Yeah. It's a slave world. It really is, actually. Yeah. Once you break it down and see it, see it through that lens. And, um, that's the reason why they're, look, they control it. It's theirs. We're not going to take it away. You know, I was really, I started researching Planet X in 2001. I first wrote about it in 2002. It was by 2005. That was when I really understood what in the hell is going on. Why all the suppression? There is an incredible amount of suppression. It's tremendous, really. Absolutely. Now, there are folks that say, well, they have to do it so people don't get upset and quit their jobs and do stupid things and blah, 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 blah. But before we before we go on, we should mention that there's astronomers that have been mysteriously showing up um, dead, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that interesting? You know, in Italy, there were a bunch of deep space astronomers. They said they were technicians or whatever. They were astronomers, deep space astronomers. And they were in a gondola uh, and they were going up on. And then all of a sudden, a Navy A-7 attack, medium attack bomber, is flying in a civilian populated area where it should never be in the first place. And it's flying right off the right down on the deck and what happens it clips the cable clips the wires on the cable car and the cable car falls 200 feet to the ground everybody on board is killed and what happened to the pilot absolutely nothing wow absolutely nothing because you know he was probably acting on orders right and uh, you know this was a targeted hit Take them all out and take them down. So yeah, for, you know, people think that astronomers are going to be honest about Planet X. And I say, hey, oh, when no. was the last time you were flying <laughs> oh, no. on Delta or United or something? And the pilot comes on the, the, you know, on the speaker and he goes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd look out the right side of the aircraft, you'll see this UFO that's been tracking us for 15 miles. No, that's not going to happen. In other words, pilots are not going to report their UFO sightings because they know if they do, that's it. That's their job. Welcome to the exciting world of fast food. Exactly. You know, one minute you're you're flying a 747, the next minute you're flying a grill at Taco Bell. And uh, and the, literally, literally, I'm not joking about it. So it's There's been cases, actually, you're right. Pardon? I said you're right. There's been actual cases like that. Yeah. So there is a huge, huge amount of suppression. And all of the suppression has one real reason. The, and I was understanding them because they want, what I come to understand in 2005 was What's they're the setting game? it up yeah. so that the maximum number of people die. That's it. Oh, Agenda they want, 21. They, huh? want, they want death toll. Right. Hmm. And, um, I was working with, we were doing work with uh, psychics who were doing channeling with us, and we worked with several of them. None of them knew each other, and they were all very talented, but the one who was the most talented, um, and typically these were women in their 40s who were married, uh, had excellent marriages, and were very, very blessed with husbands who actually treasured and revered their God-given talents. And uh, these women were the most exquisite. 
in their capabilities. And I was really wrestling with this. It was a time of terrible depression for me, terrible, terrible depression, because I was really, really, it was sinking in that they're setting us up to die. They want the greatest number of people to die as possible. That's all. And people, I know people don't want to, if they hear that and they're probably going, ah, nah, 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 you know, nobody's going to want to do that. Nobody thought Hitler would kill all the people in the concentration camps. But ask the 10 million Jews, gypsies, Jehovah Witnesses, Russian prisoners, and so forth, all the people that gassed death. And uh, if you can't, and you find out all this na 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 is people just stupid people being in denial, and I'm seeing all of that. But anyway, I was talking about it with her. This was about 2007, and I, you know, from 2005 through 2007 it was very depressing. I was, it was difficult for me to do my work because I was really feeling it was pointless that these monsters were going to kill people like this. Uh, it was especially, especially difficult for me because on my mother's side of the family, all yes. of my relatives in Europe died in the concentration camps. Oh my, Marshall. All of them. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Terrible. Thank you. And, uh, it's something that makes you mindful of what monsters will do. And I, I'm seeing this. And so I was sharing this frustration with her and she just said, well, Let's do a reading, see who comes in. She was really talented. She could bring in, uh, we were dealing with incarnated, unincarnated, mm. and extraterrestrial entities. So you're and, completely, yeah, you're completely open-minded to that then, to, yeah. okay. Well, we vetted them. Understood. That reminds uh, me, you obviously read the Epic of Gilgamesh, correct? A long, long time ago. Ah. And okay. uh, just, so. Just throwing that out there. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think, that, well, the flood account is important. I read it because, uh, I believe that the, um, the Bible story of Noah and the flood, and actually I talk about that in the Nemesis Cloud article I just published. Yeah, and we'll get into that, yes. Was, uh, you know, the Bible account probably drew on the story of Gilgamesh, as well as a lot of other flood stories and folklore and written yes. uh, texts around the world. Mm -hmm. But any getting back to uh, yes, yes, and she said, "Well, let's let's do it." And um, like I said, there's the three kinds of entities that were unincarnated, which meant that they had never been in human form, and then incarnated, they had been in human form, and then extraterrestrial. Um, she was really the two most profound conversations I had with entities were, were through her. And I want to make a point of saying we did vet these entities because we would always ask them, give us a major weather event six to 12 months out. And that's how we would vet them. And guess what? Every one of them, ha it, they'd say, you're going to see thus and such. You know, in this time, and exactly that happened. Exactly, exactly, and exactly. And so we were always able to vet them. But so she went ahead and she put this out. We started the reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, the entity that responded was by the name of Serapis Bay. 
And um, you can actually find him on Wikipedia, interestingly enough. Serapis Bey was, in ancient times, was a high priest in the Egyptian temples. I was going to say, that and, sounds Egyptian. Huh? I was going to say, that sounds Egyptian. Yeah, yeah. Serapis Bey was Egyptian. And, um, you know, what she, she told me, she said that, um, later after we did the reading, she said, this is, this is his thing. There are, with entities, they, they have a real passion. They have a topic that is their passion topic. And this was Serapis Bay. This was his thing, was dealing with this very issue. And so I explained to Serapis Bay my feelings and what I, about what I was seeing and what I'd come to understand. And here was what Serapis Bay said, and, and this changed my life. It was very, it was pivotal, uh, pivotal. It, it was just life changing. Yeah. It was, it was astonishing to you. Uh, totally. It was epiphany. Right. And he, what Serapis Bay said was, said, Marshall, the story of humanity is a huge book that is still being written. And there's much more of it to be written. But all, like all books, it is comprised of many chapters. This chapter, belongs to the elites of your world. It's their chapter. And there is no point in arguing about it or complaining about it because there is nothing you can possibly do to take this away from them. It is theirs. However, this chapter, like all chapters, as like all books in all chapters, eventually comes to an end. Come to an yes. And this book this chapter in this book is on its final pages, and they know it. And the only way they can steal the next chapter is to bluff humanity into sacrificing it to them. It's the only way they can literally leapfrog from one chapter to the next is on a bluff, because they don't have a winning hand. And he said, essentially... You, you know, this destiny is your rightful destiny, but it is also rightfully yours to squander and to throw away. So you're going to have to stand up and take your rightful destiny. And when you do, the next chapter is already yours. It is already humanities. It is freedom. It is ascension. It is an enlightenment. Enlightenment. But it is yours to squander. It, it, you know, reminds me of the story of, you know, from the Bible of uh, selling a birthright for a bowl of lentils. Correct. And that's exactly the strategy. See, what they're going to do, and I write about this in my books. So I write, I get this message out as much as I can because what, what Serapis Bay was doing is, is, look, if you're smart, you'll call the bluff. That's it. That's all you got to do. Call the bluff. The question is, is, all right, what's the bluff going to look like? How are they going to trick us into giving away our birthright, our destiny for a bowl of lentils? Well, they're going to, you've heard of the Svalbard Seed Vault. It's not yes. the only one. And they didn't recently leak too, by the way. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. And uh, there's no such thing global warming, but explain that to the folks who built the seed vault. And what they're going to do is during the flyby, we're going to have major events. We're going to have solar flares. 
solar flares and impacts, but then we're going to have the pole shift. The pole and after shift, the yes. pole shift, we are going to transit the tail. You know, uh, there is uh, Mother Shipton, and I have this in my article, and she goes, aha, just when you guys are getting cocky, the destroyer, the beast comes back and cracks its tail on the earth. What she exactly is talking about is we come around the sun and boom, we fly right, excuse me, fly right through the tail of this thing. And it is going to make a hell of a mess of things. One hell of a mess of things. We're going to have, you know, iron dust. Uh, that's what in the story of Exodus, that's what turned the water's blood red. Mm. It was iron oxide. All right. Just go to a brickyard. And say, hey, how do you make them pretty red bricks? And they'll say, oh, we just take the usual plain looking stuff and throw some iron in it and it turns it red. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen with the water. Uh, and, uh, so they're going to wait for that event and towards the end of that event because right after what I'm talking about in my article, the nemesis cloud. Yes. Is that we're going to have a massive deluge. Huge period of rain. So right towards the end of transiting the tail, then the last major cataclysm will be the deluge. And the deluge is actually on the positive side because it's going to really wash the earth clean. But for people who are not prepared for it, it's going to wash them away. And it's going to be a pretty horrific event. So uh, they're going to come up. Their timing is to come up. Just at the end, uh, the second to the last major cataclysm, before the last cataclysm, and that's when they're going to say, looky what we brung you. We got all of these wonderful bunkers and warehouses and so forth with food, medicine, seeds, everything you need to reestablish modern economies on the surface of the planet. Everything you need. And all you got to do to get it is agree to our terms. Hey, you're going to use our financial system. You're going to accept our rule and you're going to let us chip you. And that is when everyone's going to get the RFID tags and you'll get them in the hand or a thermal transfer imprint on the forehead. Infants will get them planted at birth in the soft part of the skull at the top of the head. And that's how they're going to do it. And that is how they're going to leapfrog from the chapter they own to the chapter they don't. Because what they're banking on is that enough people are going to be so beaten up and there's going to be so few survivors left. You know, keep in mind, you go to 7 billion people and say, hey, we, we have all of these inducements into slavery enough for half a day for everybody. It's like, forget about mm, it. Yes. But all of a sudden, if you have enough to make a significant difference for a select part of the population, now you can get control. Now you can force your will upon the species and enslave the species. And that is what, that's how they're going to do it. So how do we call the bluff? We call the bluff by saying no. That's all. No. Yeah, you also mentioned in, in the Nemesis Cloud article about <laughs> days of darkness, and um, I want to speculate, what exactly do you think is going to happen to most of society when when this occurs? Well, most of society is going to be 
by the time we've gotten there, there's going to be a huge amount of death, destruction of nations. Nations are going to fall. But the days of darkness are really the pole shift event. And what the days of darkness actually describes is that Nemesis, which is at the core, it's the brown dwarf at the core of the Planet X system, is going to arc over our heads, pass down between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. But Nibiru, which is its most outermost major planet, is going to actually at that time pass between the Earth and the Sun. And so the days of the darkness are going to be an absolute total eclipse caused by the passage of this major planet. And this will be attended by the pole shift, and the pole shift is going to result from the fact that you have, and bear in mind, the planet X system orbits our sun in a clockwise orbit. We're counterclockwise, so we're passing like ships in the night. Right. And it's actually, as we are going flat and level around to the left, it's going behind us and south and below us. So it's going behind and below us. And so what happens is now you have these major planets and this brown dwarf. And the brown dwarf is, this star is, a brown dwarf star is going to be about twice the size of Jupiter. And astronomers calculate brown dwarfs have about 0.08% the mass of our own sun. So this nonsense idea about two suns orbiting each other and finding a focus in the middle on their, you know, no. Our sun is not going to get thrown into an, it's not going to share an orbit with another sun that's only 0.08% its mass. And, but that mass is substantial, all right? This is quite a bit more than Jupiter, and it's going to that, plus its other planets are going to create tidal gravitational forces that will obtain a lithosphere lock on Earth and will just literally grab the skin of the planet. And so what will happen is we are, our spin is going to reverse and our spin is going to slow because it's being pulled in an opposite direction, and it's eventually going to stop. This is the reason why whoever survives all the other events, they have to be able to go to ground during this, because if you're on the surface when the magnetosphere collapses, you are going to be the proverbial poodle in a microwave, because there's nothing to, you know, uh, the solar radiation is just going to come hammering right through. And... It is going to be an incredibly difficult time for everybody here on the planet when this happens. And the during this is going to occur during this period of darkness is we have this spin changes. And so literally once we are through this days of darkness and we have completed the full cycle, then the sun will then begin rising in the west and setting in the east. But we also have three other things that can happen. We have a uh, magnetic shift, and that's already begun happening, and where the North Pole and the South Pole are switching. And uh, we've already seen where when you have a, a – when the poles flip, the magnetic poles flip, it starts with a series of mini flips in the South Atlantic, and these already have been occurring. So that is – 
already in process. The other aspect is that you have a crustal shift, and the crustal shift is literally we the United States could get pulled down, if you will, right, right, closer to the equator. We could drop down 10 or 12 degrees. That Dame says about 12 degrees if a pull shift happens, and I agree with that. Yeah, that's yeah. You, that's pretty much been my assessment, and the. Uh, that happens, you're looking, for example, what difference would it make? Uh, places like Minnesota would wind up having weather akin to Northern California or New Mexico. That's what it would mean. Uh, and, um, but however, the, there's another aspect, and this is already something that's, that is in progress, which is the, the axis all right, which is we're tilted relative to the ecliptic, the plane of our solar system, 23 and a half degrees. But the Native Americans are already telling us up in uh, the uh, the Inuit that this is already happening, that the sun is rising and setting in different places, which would definitely go to the position that uh, we are going to have a shift of the axis, the degree of tilt. Now, that is going to be hugely important because that tilt is going to determine seasonality. And if we tilt where we are less than 23.5, what we're going to have is less of a difference between seasons. We might even wind up with two seasons. You know, the very first calendar ever created for Earth was by, this was in the Lost Book of Enki, uh, by en- Lord Enki of uh, the Anunnaki, mm-hmm. and it only had two seasons, summer and winter. Right, right. And, you know, so we don't have that tilt. You know, we start, we, we were less than 23.5. That could be, that could be. And if we're more than 23.5, then it's really going to get extreme. Right. And all right. of this totally reminds me of, the whole biblical verse, uh, Matthew twenty four twenty nine. I believe. My goodness, I, I can't even believe I remembered that. Wow! Holy crap! That <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> I, I don't even read the Bible that often, or uh, I don't really read the Bible much. But I, I do remember certain things that have resonated with me throughout the years. And uh-huh. I, I'm agnostic. I'm an agnostic atheist, to be honest. Uh, I'll be. Perfectly honest with you now, Matthew. Uh, Matthew, I mean, Marshall. Now I'm calling you Matthew. But yeah, <laughs> you know, Matthew 24:29. It says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And of course, yeah. that means this. It also goes to say the stars will fall from the sky and the mm-hmm. powers of uh, the heavens will be shaken or something like that, right? Yeah. My goodness, how did I remember that? Yeah, it really came to it. But, uh, yeah, you know, as, uh, as, as an atheist or pseudo atheist agnostic or whatever, you know, that, uh, it's funky. I know. I know. Well, you, you remember that there was I that know. great old joke, uh, Nietzsche said God is dead. Yes. God said Nietzsche is dead. <laughs> of course. Of course. It's a, it's a great oxymoron. <laughs> I, I love it. Yes. So that, that reminds me. Marshall, going back to your video series, Two Suns in the Sky, I personally enjoyed that. 
It, it, it oh, was it was great. Excellent material as always, Mr. Masters. I must say it's one of the most um you know, one of the most frequently asked questions anytime I, I mention Planet X. It's always is is Marshall coming back? Uh you know, I get so many emails requesting you to come back already so quickly. Wow. Yeah, well, thank you're, you. you're very popular here. Well thank you. That's that's nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's nice to be amongst friends. Yeah, you should see those emails. People wow. people love you here. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. It does my heart good to hear. Thank you. Yes, and because you know Marshall very well, there are those out there who aren't necessarily in the same mindset. They leave these horrible comments here and there, and they post these horrible articles. And, you know, I've gotten the same treatment myself. So I understand what that's like. And, you know, we fa- we both have faced criticism from different sides out there, and we've drawn lots of heat. And th- that comes with the, tor- the territory, correct? Well, you know what they used to say in World War II? If you're not taking flack, you're not over the target. Mm, yeah. You know, you so that. it's going to happen. But, you know, a lot of that is really by people – who are paid to do it. Oh, Marshall, wait, that reminds me, there was another show you were on where, where someone was very rude to you. I won't say his name, but it ended very badly, Marshall, and I want to apologize greatly for uh, lower talent out there who treated you in such such a disgraceful manner. It, it really shames me to see a different show hosts out there that neglect their responsibility with their audience. Yeah, that was, I, I know which show. You know exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh. I'm sorry he said all those the, things. That was the Flat Earth show, I think, right? <laughs> I, I don't exactly know if, if, actually, you know what, it might have been with, uh, the, the, the gentleman, his last name with, his, with an R, I believe, right? I guess, uh, you know, like that. that, those things, those things just happen and my, how do you ha- how do you handle that, Marshall? I, I want I truly want to know, and genuinely, this isn't disingenuous conversation here. You know, me and you, Marshall, we both have talked for you know a while now here, and we both respect each other greatly. And I, I definitely want to know how you handle these these um these um I guess you could say these monsters. <laughs> yeah. Or just schmucks. <laughs> you know, or that too, yeah, these schmucks, yeah. We yeah, can go there. It's, well, they're the ones that do it because it's how they pay for their child support and their vodka. So you got to understand that. Right. And, um, but what they're really wanting me to do is to get down in the gutter and fight with them because they own the gutter. And I'm just not going to do it. That's all. Um, good, good you can choice. sit down there in the gutter all you want. I am always moving forward. That is it. That's, um, I'm just rolling on. I mean, I, I don't take it personally because mm-hmm. I think, I think about Noah, mm-hmm. you know, the story of Noah and my gosh, how many people went up to Noah and his, you know, went up to his wife and said, Hey, you know, I hate to tell you, but your husband's one short of a six pack. He's not <laughs> the brightest bulb on the tree and right. his elevator's not going all the way to the top. True. And, uh, then look what happened to them. Next thing you know, they're knocking on the hull. Hey, 
open up, let us in. We're ready to have that conversation now. And, uh, it was just too late. The, uh, this is just something that it's, it's going to come. It, it just comes with the turf. I just refused to let them slow me down or give them the satisfaction of taking it personally. I take it to God. I don't take it personally. Understood. Yeah, I, I don't worry about that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And people are going to do what they want. So, you know, they're going to do what they want. And, you yeah. know, I do get a lot of emails and from folks who you, you get some heat, Marshall. Believe me, you get, oh, you get love, yeah. but you get some heat there, too. Trust me. I, I know I've seen it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it also works to my advantage. Oh, it does. Believe me. <laughs> it's uh it's schoolyard politics. Everybody wants to see who's getting a whooping. Right. And so when somebody's beating up on me, folks will come just they'll come to my website just to see if I'm so you know, this this big monster of a jerk this guy is saying I am. And then they start reading my stuff and they go, whether I agree with him or not, he has integrity. Right. And they really do. Uh, they've done, these people who smear me actually do more to help me because they get people, it's, they're, it's free advertising. It's free advertising. There is no yeah. bad publicity. Yeah. And you're living in their head rent free. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Yeah. yeah. So if they want to define themselves as sour grapes and, you know, people are, when it, when it comes to sour grapes and this kind of nonsense, People understand that it is sour grapes. And people project too, by the way. Mm-hmm. So you gotta take that for consideration. Yeah. Yeah. And, but still the same is, I'll tell you, for me, you know, everything that I do, and there, there's for me, Marshall, the person, and then me as the Marshall who has, who's doing a mission. For me, as Marshall, the person, I just do what I do and I go, one day I'm going to be standing in front of my creator mm-hmm. and I want us both to know that while I'm not perfect, but warts and all, I kept the faith. Right. Okay. And so that's what's most important to me. And in terms of the mission, everything I do is I want to help people when the day comes, I want to give them as much as I can to help them call the bluff. I want the freedom of the species. I believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. All right. Right. And I want to come back in a Star Trek future. I don't want to come back in another slave economy world. I want to come back to a Star Trek future. I agree. Yeah. And so that for me is the most important thing. It's, you know, my message is what do you do? And then, that's the reason why when we go through this tribulation, it's not about holding on to things. It's about holding on to each other. That's what's really going to be important. And so that we can get through it. And when the time comes that you know, people are going to be able to stand up to the bluff, they're going to need three things. That's the reason why I founded my church, Knowledge Mountain Church of Perpetual Genesis. People can read about it over at knowledgemountain.org. And I also explain it in my Two Sons in the Sky video. But what people are going to need if they're going to call the bluff is, one, they need self-sufficiency knowledge. 
Two, they need hope for the future. And three, they need to know they're not alone. Those are the three things that I'm always in my mind, in my heart and soul, I'm going, how can I help move the ball down the field to give people these three things? Self-sufficiency, hope for the future, and knowing they're not alone. Because if people have those three things, the natural passion we have as a species for freedom will kick in and just do its thing automatically. And people will stand up, call the bluff, say, no, we're not going to take your inducements into slavery. No, hell no on you putting a chip in us. And they're going to understand they're not saying no to the carrot. They're going to say no to the stick because that's the way the elites operate. But they're going to do it anyway because it is the passion for freedom. And it is just not about us doing it in one lifetime. It is about us coming back life after lifetime after lifetime to do it. You know, if you go to free, which is uh the Edgar, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, he was an astronaut. He uh, landed on the moon, one of the fellows to walk on the moon. And free uh, was started and they're actually working with folks who have had ET encounters. And they are finding in the vast majority of cases that these encounters are very positive and not only positive, but on a spiritual vein that the other races that are contacting us, what they want us to do is they want us to call the bluff. They want us to claim our freedom so that we can ascend spiritually. Because if we do that, we will be beyond the grasp of these slavers. The yoke of slavery will be off of our species. So that's what this flyby is all about, Michael. It's about the freedom of our species. Yeah, the yoke around their neck. The yoke around our neck. And, you know, there are those that can choose to look at it. Yes, it's going to be a terrible time. There's going to be great suffering, great death, great misery. But in the midst of that is going to be literally a once in a species opportunity right to break the chains of slavery once and forever and to move forward as a free species to have that star trek future to go into space and to meet other civilizations and to be embraced as friends because we profoundly respect the sanctity of their souls and that is what we all need to strive for and it's something that If we can get out of the me and mine selfishness that defines us, this consumer society, and we can do it. People say, well, we can't do it. Nonsense. Look what happened in World War II. America as a nation understood we had a responsibility to fight a terrible war against terrible people on both sides of our world. And we did. And we prevailed. Because people were ready to sacrifice. Yes, there are always the opportunists, but the vast majority of people were good and they were ready to do what was necessary for the cause. And I think that willingness is still within us, even though we have this society that rewards selfishness. Correct. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why there's so much despair. You know, we don't value ourselves in terms of what we have. Think about it. We're in a consumer society. How do we measure our life? By we the measure amount it. we're paid. Huh? 
I said, one's life is measured by the amount of money they bring in. And, you know, how, you know, how good looking and savvy is your spouse? Do you have the latest car? Do you have the biggest house on the block? Do you have the most prestigious, you know, prestigious job? Is your parking spot closer to the CEO than anyone else? It's a very materialistic mindset that has been indoctrinated in society forever. That's right. And so, and what is, what do we learn as consumers? If we measure our lives by what we don't have, then we fix it by going out, working like dogs to make money to buy things we don't need. Correct. On the other hand, stop and think about what you have. Stop looking at the glass half empty. Look at the glass half full. In my book, Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, a faith-based leadership guide, I wrote the book for faith-based leaders, because these are the ones that are going to, I think, have the best chance of helping the greatest number of people to get through this. And that's the reason why with Knowledge Mountain Church, we're, we're, we're not an exclusionary church. We actually tell our members, go get involved with a local house of faith. It's important. But in my video, Two Sons in the Sky, what I'm saying is, you know, it's one thing to go find some place you can show up on Sunday for 90 minutes, sing a few songs and feel good about it, and then yeah. go back to being a consumer. Mm-hmm. But what you got to do is find a house of worship with leadership that's going to be able to organize that community to survive as a faith-based survival community. And that's what's really important. And so, you know, what I am writing for the for those in awareness, and it's right on the back cover of the book. Just let me read this. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Know this. You are in awareness because God intends for you to be a part of the solution. Your role is to be that of a mentor, comforter, and teacher during the tribulation. Read and study this book thoroughly to prepare for your true mission. Then, when a spiritual leader you admire and respect sees the same clear and present danger as you, your path is simple. Hand that leader this book as you say. You need a plan, and this is the plan that will work for what is coming. Please read it, and if you have any questions, I am always at your service. Now, when I wrote this book, I'm really talking to the leader of a faith-based organization who's standing out on the street looking up the sky and pooping his or her pants because ah, yes. They're seeing death, okay, and they know they're not ready for it. And they know that, most importantly, although they're going to be lied to by the fake news and they're going to say it's an interesting light show, don't worry Mm, about it. That's what fake news is going to tell us. They're going to know it is a clear and present danger, and they need to get their flock to safety. Now, when they make that decision that they're going to organize, it's powerful because – Faith-based organizations have real advantages. First off, they have an existing chain of command. Yeah, everything's political, but they have an existing chain of command. Secondly, is they have a logistical advantage. It can take 30 years to build a library, but in three days, they're ready to respond to a local disaster to help folks in the community. And third is a diversity of skill set, which I cannot understate the value of. 
You sit there to pray on Sunday with people and you don't, they come from all walks of life with all kinds of interests and they can bring all kinds of skills and insights and creative capabilities because you got to think your way out of this. You right. see, it's less about the having of things and it's more about the knowing of things. And that's where this diversity of skills is a true blessing. This is a huge strength for these organizations. So they pull together. Now, for those who've been in awareness, most of them are baby boomers, and they've been in awareness since they were kids. And they have been dealing with this for years, and oftentimes ostracized and isolated and alone. It's a very difficult path to walk. You know, we were talking about all the people that say the terrible things about me. Well, oh, my gosh. These people in awareness, I, the ones I really, my heart goes out to are two of them. The ones that have spoiler spouses that are going, you stop this nonsense with Planet X or I'm going to divorce you. Oh my. And they're, like, they're hitting that nuclear button. Okay. And guess what? Nine times out of 10, the one that's being threatened is the one who files because it's like out of hell with you. I'm sick of your nonsense. Right. But the other ones are the, what I call junior grandparents. And these are grandparents that are young enough that their grandchildren are minors, okay? Hmm. They can't talk to them as adults. And their children are totally in denial. And they want to explain to their children, you know, here's just have an open mind to it. Just let me explain what I'm seeing. And they go, Mom, Dad, hey, wonderful, great, love you, all that stuff. You're crazy. And if you talk to my kids, I'll cut you out completely. This is what they hear. And what do these grandparents have to deal with? What are their choices? Because typically their progeny are living in a ground zero area along a coastline like Los Angeles or New York, where they're definitely going to die. So am I, by the way. Okay. What do you can do about that? Well, I need to get out of here for sure. Like, well, many people don't understand or, well, I'm, I mean, for those who don't know, I'm right on the San Andreas fault line out here in Southern California in a small town called El Centro, California. And my goodness, Marshall, every day I think about that, the next big one, not a day well, goes by. one day you'll get the passion and you'll you'll pay the price. And you know what? My heart goes out to you because I did it. I busted a move. I call it busting a move because you bust up your life to this, do it. This is not a good place to be when all this goes down, Marshall, as you're well aware um, Absolutely. You know this place is going to get flooded all the way to the Salton Sea. Well, yeah, you know, it's all kinds of nasty stuff. But I think uh, for California, Long Valley Caldera is an, a monster. Everyone's looking at Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. Yellowstone's yeah, we're, having a lot of swarms and all of lot, that, but that's talk, magma yeah. displacing. And... But Long Valley is a single-chamber supervolcano. It's not displacing. It is swelling. And it's and it still has a cap. And when that thing goes, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland, all the way to Las Vegas, Nevada, Phoenix, Arizona, all these, forget about it. Forget about it. It's going to be just real, real nasty. Oh, my God. And don't deal. move to Las Vegas. That'll be the first place in America that, <laughs> that, that I, literally, I'm serious. It'll be the first place in America 
that there will be cannibalism will be Las Vegas. Oh my, yes. I, I would not want to move to Las Vegas, to be honest with you, even though I was conceived in Las Vegas, but that's a whole new story. I mean, that's a whole different story there. There you go. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, the thing is for these folks in awareness, for these grandparents, think about, I, I, cause, oh God, I've, they have wept on the phone and it, it breaks my heart to hear them cry because it is, it is terrible, terrible anguish that they live with the thought that their entire bloodline, their entire progeny could perish in an instant. Yes. And what are their options? Well, they can go, well, I'm going to live my life and do what I can for the ones I can take the high road. And, uh, frankly, uh, that just, you know, it's like that old commercial with the lady, where's the beef? Um, it just doesn't, doesn't work. Right. The other option is that they could re relocate to where the kids usually are to be close to them and then wait for a moment when they feel events are about to unfold and then kidnap their grandchildren and take them to someplace safe, which is a terrible, terrible idea. And then the third option is they, again, they relocate to the death zone with their progeny so that they can be there to help them die, to understand why they're dying and to, you know, keep saying, go to the light, go to the light, go to the light, which is a death wish option. So all three of their options suck. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. They just suck. I'm sorry. There's no other word for it. True. Now, and usually for these, Grandparents have got big hearts and small wallets. They don't have the money to say, you know, you don't move. I'm going to cut you off. Yeah, that that's the problem with, with a lot of uh, a lot of people out there, Marshall. Lots of them don't have that financial means to prepare for this or that. And you know, we we went over that before. Yeah. So they don't have it. But now, right. think about there's an advantage here. Again, all of these, these three options that suck are all about the glass half empty. Let's talk about the glass half full. What have they got that gives them a natural born advantage? What they have is their awareness. And I can't understate the value of this because when things go crazy. And they will. And they will. And they will people are going to. See, these folks that have been in awareness since they were children, they've had a lifetime to process it. They've had a lifetime of abuse and isolation. They have been kicked out of more churches and study groups than they care to remember. They have been punished and punished and punished and punished. And But yet, when you are in awareness, you know what's coming. There's no amount of punishment. There's no amount of drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, or any other thing that's going to make that awareness go away. Right. It is perpetually going to define your life. And they've had to learn to live with that. Now, what that means is, I've said here, you have to do a mentoring process. Remember, your job is not to lead. Your job is to teach, to mentor, and to comfort. And so you're going to find, and I explain the process in Two Suns in the Sky very clearly how to do this. But it's finding the right kind of, right sort of leader. And then when they do, 
they don't have to walk in with a one-man band, tambourines and a bass drum and flash everybody. They don't have to. They just walk in and just be themselves because their countenance, their face will say it all. They're not going to be happy with what they're seeing. They're going to understand the terrible pain and suffering and death that's coming. But they will have already made peace with it. They will understand it. And this will be in their countenance. And you have a leader of a faith-based organization, and he or she's going to have a whole swirl of people running around like a hurricane. Of ideas, high winds and screeching noises and people pulling, you know, nonsense out of their backsides. And then all of a sudden, here's this person in awareness with this calm countenance of understanding and peace with it. And that countenance, that very countenance that, that now all those years, all those decades of abuse and isolation and being treated meanly, prepared them for that moment because their countenance will be calm. And they're not there to say, I told you so. They're there to say, I'm ready to be in service. And that leader's going to look at that person after he or she just hands them a copy of the book. They're not probably going to have time to read the whole book because it's a big book, 440 some odd pages, 142 illustrations. It's a monster. It's a phone book. Right. And And I wrote it like a phone book. Because if it were 60 pages, they could read it themselves. They wouldn't need anybody to help them. But they're not going to have the time to read a phone book. But that person in awareness already has and can sit down and study with them. No different than any church leader sits down and has a Bible study group. All right? It's a reverse role. Now, when they do that, these people in awareness, they're not going into that church from the bottom. They're going in at the top. They're immediately coming in as a valued advisor, teacher, mentor, comforter. And then when they come in and they say, may my family join me, what's that church leader going to do? Say, well, we like you and all your information and your soft countenance, but your family can die. They're not going to do that. Right. And if they do, you didn't choose wisely. Go find somebody else. So that is how I'm helping these grandparents. That's why I wrote this book. You're doing good work there, Marshall. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about these people. But what I have to tell you that breaks my heart to see is all the apathy, all the cynicism, even with those who are in awareness. You know, they uh, in my Two Sons in the Sky video, people can see it. Just go to twosonsinthesky.com. Great video, by the way. Thank you. Glad you like it. Got to plug that. Got to plug it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And the three leading causes of death during the tribulation will be in this order. Denial, procrastination, and location. Denial are all the people that just simply like, it's all nonsense. Don't want to hear it. Nothing going to happen. There's okay? lots of people like that, Marshall. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know. Now that's the majority of them out there, Marshall. Deer in a headlight society. You're in the headlights society, yes. That's what I like to know. call it, yeah. <laughs> You're right about that. They are the deer in the headlights society. And uh, and what I do tell people who are in awareness is uh, when things get crazy and these people get spooked and they get crazy and they will, oh, yeah. for God's sakes, keep your mouth shut. Don't tell them that you were in awareness and that 
when they ask you, what did you do about it? You just said, well, gee, I was watching YouTube videos. That's all I ever did. I just was studying it and studying it and studying it. I can tell you all about it. Doing your homework. Doing my homework. You know what's going to happen is that some little lady with a PhD is going to step out of the crowd, point at you and say, you're manifesting all of this. It's happening because you wanted it to happen. If we kill you, your manifestation will end. And as logical as that sounds, that's exactly what will happen. And then you're going to hear a whole bunch of other PhDs going, get a rope, get a rope. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to die badly. That's right. So, you know, when it comes down to that, if all you've been doing is watching YouTube videos, cause you think, you know, you think you're doing something constructive. And frankly, the term I give for it is mental masturbation. And if you think mental masturbation is really constructive, I'm sorry, it's not. It's procrastination. And you're not going to have any more survival option than the people who are going around going, manifester, manifester, mm-hmm. manifester. So keep your mouth to shut. <laughs> By the way, don't you know anything. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, Marshall, in the end of the series, you say – uh, dark entities exist on the on the physical as well as many other planes. I always mm-hmm. thought that was uh, very interesting, as our bodies are designed to filter uh, many things out from our our actual perception. And of course, that that entire uh, this entire conversation leads into the realms of metaphysics. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, what exactly is your opinion? If you do have an opinion on, on quantum mechanics, you know. I had read an interesting article about uh, quantum mechanics and and, and um, different philosophy, uh, different different people's philosophies on this. And of course, one person said that the physical universe is really like a movie motion picture in which in which a series of still images uh, shown on a screen creates the illusion of moving images. And this all has to do with, of course, time and space and. Um, of course, this also reminds me of lucid dreaming, and I've always described um, my experiences with this as just like this this man said uh, about this being kind of like steals from a movie. You know, I find all of the ideas to really, really be intriguing. It's uh, really interesting stuff, yeah. It is interesting stuff. You know, back in the 80s when I was with uh, – a doing science features for CNN. The holy grail of science at that time, what was getting all of the money, really, Mm -hmm. was Big Bang Theory. Oh, yes. And which was, is the universe going to continue to expand indefinitely and just go apart, or will it collapse back into a singularity and start all over again? And either way, you're, you're sitting there, you know, listening to Peggy Lee singing, is that all there is? And uh, this was literally at the time, this was the, the this was the big thing. And the funny thing was, is uh, I published the Colburn Bible. The ancient Egyptians had the answer to that 3,600 years ago. Right. And they were right. They said, we just keep spreading out and then we're going to merge into other universes and then we'll form entirely new things. And that is exactly the nature of things. We're not in a, in a single universe. I mean, we have a very terrestrial view. It's a multiverse. Yeah. 
we're in an ever expanding multiverse. Right. And in, um, in Two Suns in the Sky, I, I explain my philosophy and it's a survival philosophy of perpetual genesis, which has three questions. And the first question is, where does God live? The second is, what is God's mission? And third, what has it got to do with me? Those are the three questions of perpetual genesis. And so for, we're living in an ever-expanding, multidimensional multiverse, the cosmos. Right. And where does God live? God lives within the void. You know, the one thing that was the result of our trying to understand why it is gravity, which is the most powerful force, does not eventually overtake our expansion and force a contraction. And that is because of dark energy and dark manager, dark matter, which is 95% or more of all that there is. We can't see it, but that is all that there is. And this dark matter, dark energy comprises the soup, if you will, of the void. And the void is infinite. Where does God live? God lives within the void and creation is within God. So God is greater than creation, but God is lesser than the void, which goes to, which explains where God lives, but it also explains God's mission, which is the perpetual creation of life from the lifelessness of the void. God is always making new universes and each of them with their own physical laws and unique attributes and features. And these are then going to facilitate and enable the creation of life from the lifelessness of the void, which then comes to the third question. What has it got to do with me? And what I say in Two Suns in the Sky is when you decide that you are a perpetual, what you're saying to God is, your mission is my mission. I'm in it with you. I'm here on this world, in this body, incarnated in this time, in service to your mission. When my job is finished here, put me where you need next. Whatever universe, whatever planet, whatever species, whatever time, I will hit the ground running and continue the mission. That is being a perpetual. And once you do that, you no longer have this terrestrial view of your relationship with God, which begins with you, then to your church and your community and your country and so forth. All right, that's a terrestrial view. It's a line of sight view of God. A cosmic view is you're stepping back and you're seeing creation as God sees creation. And you're just a junior member of the team, so to speak. You're a co-creator. But once you have that cosmic view of everything, then you're looking at this coming tribulation. And what is this coming tribulation? It is an opportunity to take a very valuable species on a very valuable planet and to create a better world and a better species out of it in service to God's mission. And so when you see it that way from a cosmic point of view, not from this terrestrial point of view, which is tied to ego, right? you right. see it from a spiritual point of view. And that is when everything falls into perspective. And things that loom big now and are terrifying now, when you have that cosmic view, you see them in a different perspective. The cosmic perception. 
the cosmic perception. Right. And that cosmic perception is going to help people. And it's going to help them go. So when you're going through the tribulation, you're in service to creator. Creator's mission is the perpetual creation of life from the lifelessness of the void. What you're doing is that you are looking for opportunities to be in service to creator by being in service to others. And that's how you get through the tribulation. Not sitting there going, oh, why is God doing this to me? I, you know, I gave my 10%. I went to church every Sunday. I did this. I did the checklist. I did the checklist. I learned the dogma. I learned the doctrine. Why is God doing this to me? That's all terrestrial crap. If you have a cosmic view of it, you find peace and you function within it. And things can then begin to work for you through synchronicity. Right. Yes. And the power of synchronicity starts to work in your favor. And that's, you know, for for everybody else, the ones that are in, in service to themselves, it's about fate. Uh, that also plays service with... Service to others, huh? I was going to... Oh, sorry about that, Marshall. I was just going to say that also plays into the deer in the headlights uh, society, really, that lack of awareness, uh, seeing the, the signs the universe sends you through synchronicity, different things. If you look for the signs, they will appear. It's very interesting because that's kind of a like a theme, uh, ongoing theme in my life, to be honest with you. Uh, issues that I have going on will manifest themselves through uh, music and television at times. It, it's very weird. It may seem very weird, but it's actually very real. I was just going to say it's it's very surreal, rather. It's surreal. It, it's surreal in experiencing it and how things unfold. But, you know, for me, I've always known that as long as I'm focused on mission. Right. And I am, you know, I am not a perfect man and sure wouldn't, you know. None of us are, Marshall. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And uh, unless the only people who are perfect are psychopaths. And uh that's there's a lot of truth to that. We are the psychopaths are running the world right we now. We are the fallen, Marshall. Pardon? I said we are the fallen. <laughs> there you go. And I just, I look at it and I find... No matter what the adversity is, and yeah, there's the mud slinging and the, and the yutzes that are saying the ugly things and. Oh yeah. But I have this cosmic view of everything and I just. Yeah, you're very enlightened, Marshall. Well, thank you. You're very enlightened soul, I must say. Thank you. I just, once you have a cosmic view, you just, I guess there was another great, uh, Great expression that was popular during War Two: "Illegitimine non corabundum." Don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah, I've heard it before. I like that. It's yeah, solid stuff. That was that solid was an stuff. inspiring generation. Yes, I agree. And by the way, Marshall, before I even forget, I, I did watch that video you had wanted me to see the second son of the Slovakia video. Yeah, quite stunning. Quite stunning. I was really. Uh, I really liked it. It had a lot of the wonderful elements in it. I did an article on it and, oh, yeah. um, yes, I think an article, yeah, mm-hmm. I did an article on it. Skywatch Media, they, they really are doing a bang up job. They are, you know, I, and in that article, I would say in hats off to them, uh, I'm seeing the carpet baggers out there and the clowns. Um, 
you know. Uh-huh. I know what you mean. I found that humorous that you did mention the whole headline thing about those that say the best of this or that. Yeah, you know, you go into YouTube and you search on Planet X best, and I mean, these are salacious headlines. Right. There's a lot of this stuff where it's Total just like bait too. Yeah. Glowing cloud stuff, and um, and it's there's so much nonsense, but it's like they're selling this like soap. It, the new and improved Planet X catastrophe. It's all P.T. Barnum, Marshall. <laughs> it's all, yeah. It's all P.T. Barnum. It's showmanship. Right. Mm-hmm. There's nothing honest about it. But that guy that did the reporting, I'll tell you, uh, what I really liked was I was reading uh how he was handling the comments. And... um with uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube is just sad because that's where so many disinformation operatives just, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of lower talent out there on YouTube, but of course there are some resourceful channels out there too. We can't, we, we can't, um, discredit those great individuals out there too that really do pump out some good information. Yes, there are. Double-edged there sword, are. rather. Double-edged sword. Double-edged sword, and, uh, but it's, you know, when you read all these nasty, you know, vitriolic comments down on YouTube, and what I did with fallacious YouTube, comments, yes, yeah, yeah, they're, they're really ugly. And I, what I did was I allowed comments, but I put moderation on it. Ah, okay. And um, there's a nice thing about moderation, you know, because you you get to you get to see the comment before you allow it to post or not post right right and when i get these attack schmucks i can block them from any from ever posting anything on my channel oh yeah so the, the nice thing about the moderation is weeding out the schmucks and oh yeah you know they're out there yeah there's the trolls there's the idiots there's the angry fundamentalists Plenty there's of all those but most of them most of them are doing it literally to pay for their child support and their vodka. Unfortunately, that's true. You know, yeah. the human mind is is a very great and powerful, thing, especially if it's used correctly. And it's such a it's a, it's such a waste if you neglect that. And of course, I, I want to say our mind is very much like a mini universe within a universe. That's a good way to look at it. That's the I way. Like I, that. Yeah, that's the way I have. Uh, that's the way I interpret all of this, really. Yeah. Yeah, so it is. I mean, I see every time, and you know what? These we notice all these. Oh, let's just call them assholes. All right. Ah, right. <laughs> There's plenty of assholes you know, out I mean, there. We know that. It, yeah. Uh, but they got megaphones. That's why they're noticed. If you actually look at them as a percentage of the population, they're a small minority. But they're so loud with their megaphones, they look like they're a majority. But the truth is, it's just bellowing smoke and mirrors and a lot of angry verbiage. The vast majority of people got good hearts. They got good hearts. And uh, so to me, I don't want to measure everyone in general by these bad apples. Yeah, I agree. Because there are so many really good, kind people. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them that they don't want to get mixed up in the controversy, and they sure don't want to get targeted by these jerks. Very true. And, you know, so they lay back. But I know that they're out there. 
they're a silent majority. Mm-hmm. That's underneath talent. Mm-hmm. So, Marshall, I, I do want to thank you very, very much for being on the program. And before I do let you go, however, however, I, I do have maybe one or two more questions, and that's about geoengineering. I, I just wanted your your take, if perhaps you were a, a bit knowledgeable in that department, if, if you had any interest at all in geoengineering and what they're spraying in the sky. Oh, my gosh. I think oh, no. it is a travesty. It is an absolute travesty and that people don't look up. I mean, I think the guy that's really the, the, the big tent pole on the topic is Dane Wigington. This guy's He's got the heart of a bull. I mean, he's really good. Mm. And, uh, and I enjoy following his work. But the one day for me that really stands out is, uh, there was this chemtrail jet and, um, it was a large jumbo and normally they're up around 20,000 feet. And there's a whole squadron of them here that hit the Reno area. You can see them and they'll fly six abreast and then they'll, do a checkerboard on that, and, man, they really spray the hell out of us. Oh, that's right. You're in Reno. Yeah. I mean, this is in Reno. Uh, we get sprayed like crazy. And so I was walking through a parking lot, and I looked up, and there was this one jet, chemtrail jet, and it was 10,000 feet overhead. It was – I couldn't believe it was flying that low. I never saw them that low. And it was spraying heavy. and I could see it come out and it's like a mucus coming out of the back of the airplane at that altitude. And it comes out in this heavy stream, oily stream, then it clumps up like dingo balls. You know, you see a low rider. <laughs> yeah. Stitcher. It, it gets that dingo ball look and then, or kind of like a zipper. And then the dingo balls dissolve and then they turn into clouds of chemicals. Now, if this is contrails, kiss my grits. And I'm looking at this flying directly overhead and I'm going, Oh my God, I got to get inside. You know, I think it's time to nebulize. Yeah. And, um, there was this woman walking her dog and she had, you know, we just exchanged a few pleasant words and I just said, look up, look what they're spraying on us. And she didn't look up. She looked at me with horror in her eyes. Oh, no. Like, oh, my God, he's one of those. Mm. Spun around on her heels and grabbed up her dog close with the chain and ran away as fast as she could. She wouldn't look up. She was absolutely terrified. And that anybody who would try and call her attention to that was the problem. And that, that to me, it, this is just a horrific, horrible, terrible thing thing that they're doing they literally are playing gods with the atmosphere of the planet and they don't know what the hell they're doing they just have an unlimited checkbook to do it but it's the apathy that you know people just they just go along with it and that's what really breaks my heart the most plus i mean then and then the victims you have elderly who are developing you know dementia uh you have an alzheimer's yeah Alzheimer's. All kinds of things going on. And yeah, the homeopathy. It's real. Yeah. And, and the uh, autism. I mean, at the current rate of growth of autism by 2030, 
50% of all children in the United States will be autistic. Jeez. My goodness. Is that, do you think that's through vaccines? I think it's a combination of stuff, the vaccines, Mm -hmm. but it's all part and part of, remember when I was talking earlier about, you know, the, the goal of the elites is to ensure the maximum death. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Well, if people are not healthy, they're going to succumb to all kinds of diseases and problems much more readily than they would as healthy adults with, with healthy immune systems. And so this is all part and parcel of setting us up to fail. They want to, you know, the Georgia Guidestone says the first it's, it's in eight languages and it's basically what they call 10 commandments for the 21st century. And the first one is, is keep the population under half a billion in harm, in harmony with the planet. All right. It doesn't say how we get to half a billion. Exactly. No. So. They're going to do everything they can, wars, sickness, disease, everything they can possibly do to kill as many people as they can possibly kill. And that, to me, when I look up and I see chemtrail spraying, that's just part of this or this, this, this just terrible, terrible, terrible thing that's this crime against humanity. Humanity. That's all it is. It's a crime against humanity. Well, Marshall, once again, I, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program once again. And I do hope we can touch base again in the near future. And now I would like you to plug your website or anything you would like to plug, maybe upcoming appearances, seminars, anything of that nature. And of course, the final word is yours. Well, thank you so much. And folks, go take a look at my most recent video series. It's a major work that took me several months to produce, Two Suns in the Sky, Who Lives, Who Dies. And you can see that at twosunsinthesky.com. And then my main site is marshallmasters.com. That's with two L's. And you'll, I have an article up there. That is my latest article. That is uh, Signs 15, the Nemesis Cloud. And I believe I have found a very interesting and compelling explanation for the deluge from the biblical account of Noah and the flood. And that I'm explaining it that because that is going to happen again. And for those of you out there that are in awareness and you're alone, don't be in alone. Don't go it alone. That's the reason why I started Knowledge Mountain. Come take a look at it, knowledgemountain.org. And that way you can share your experiences with like-minded others. And finally, remember, it's not about holding on to things. It's about holding on to each other. Wonderful stuff, Marshall. Thank you once again for being a part of the program. And we'll talk again very soon. Look forward to it. Awesome, Marshall. Take care. Good night and God bless. Thank you. Take care. And that, of course, was my guest, Marshall Masters. Amazing guest, amazing time. And first, I do want to say something quickly here before I go on on the break. I want to thank my first advertiser in my local hometown of El Central California. That's Ocotillo Liquor. I am just completely blown away. They are our First advertiser here, and of course, they are located at 1560 Ocotillo Drive right here in El Centro. My goodness, of course, 
go in there and say hi to Louie there. Great guy, very friendly, and of course I'll talk more about this when I return on the break. I'm looking at the time and I'm running out. So I'll be right back, folks, in a moment here. Don't go anywhere. Round two is next. Coming to an end, Mal. I see angels, Mickey. They're coming down for us from heaven. And I see you riding a big red horse. And welcome back to the program. Often imitated, never duplicated. Get that through your head. Always so nice to see so many of you still locked in. Thank you for being with me here tonight. I get kind of lonely, so I like that so many of you are still out there listening right now in this moment in time and space. I believe it's 46 episodes deep that we are now in. I've done this for, what, nearly five years now? That's quite astonishing. I hope all of you out there enjoyed that little break as much as I did. I did all kinds of things during that break. I had a great time. I enjoyed the music as usual. I'm very picky about the music that is played here. It's got to have a specific vibe. Now, there's a few things I want to talk about before I wrap up the program here. And now, by virtue, I want to welcome my first advertise, uh, advertiser. I haven't actually tried targeting my own city before. However, all of that, all of that is uh, changing now. This is a new era, and I want to thank my first advertiser, Ocotillo Liquor. Amazing. Right here in El Centro, California. Hell yes. Honestly, in my opinion, they have the best selection of beers in my town. You gotta remember this, folks. I don't really live, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't really live in a big town. And these, uh, these fine folks out here, they have, they actually have the selection of beer that I actually like. They've got those IPAs that I definitely like, like drinking so much. Again, I'm not a big drinker, folks. I know uh, plenty of you out there, I know plenty of you out there love your alcohol very much. Most of you drink while listening to this program. Some of you actually smoke while listening to this program. There's a few of you that do all sorts of different things during this program. It's quite, it's quite um, phenomenal, really. But I, I do want to thank them very much. That's Ocotillo Liquor, located at 1560 Ocotillo Drive, right here in El Centro. My God, I love them very much. I do appreciate them, and I, I appreciate everything about those folks out there, and I'm glad they have decided to take this ride with me. I hope we can keep a strong top talent bond going here. Love that. So... Next order of business here, folks, I also want to mention, I can't believe I have to say this again, but please, don't rip the show and re-upload it on YouTube somewhere. I, I really hate going around and taking things down. It's it's extremely annoying and, and time-consuming. If you like the program, just spread the word as much as you can. Post links to the original video. That would be fine and fantastic. Again, I have no issues with guests who do that sort of thing. Or if someone just asks for my permission, I'll probably let you do it. I also want to go over this whole... Well, I don't really want to go over it too, too much here, but 
Have you seen this headline, folks? Rob Lowe claims to have seen Bigfoot while filming new TV show. Did you people read that? Bizarre. Apparently, he claims to have spotted Bigfoot. The actor told Entertainment Weekly that he came across the mysterious creature while filming his new A&E series, The Low Files. Hmm. He goes on to say, we had an incredible encounter with what locals call the wood ape. He says that he's fully aware that he sounds crazy. A Hollywood cook right now. Cook right now. Sorry, yes. Apparently, he saw Bigfoot, folks. Many of you out there know how I feel about Mr. Rob Lowe. Your name is your destiny. That's all I'll say for now. You do the research, folks. Also, congratulations to Nevada. They have become the fifth state to legalize recreational use of marijuana. Apparently, it's going down tonight. Forty dispensaries will be able to start selling marijuana to those 21 and up. That's a lot of money they are going to generate through tax taxes. It's quite amazing to see all of this going down. Apparently, you'll be able to carry an ounce, I believe. I think that's what's going to go on. That's already underway here in California. I know many of you don't really like the whole legalization aspect, the recreational use. A lot of you are just strictly for the medicinal use of marijuana. I get that. Totally cool. And by the way, if you want to quickly call in here, that number is 760-332-8947. I'll only be answering that line. That number is 760-332-8947. Or on Skype, end of days, Mike. All together now, end of days, Mike, with the letter Y and not the letter I and Mike. So, there's the number. If you want to call in, go ahead. That's cool. If not, that's also fine. By the way, folks, did you see all of that going on out there in Portland? It seems like everyone is losing their minds out there, and I've talked about this before. I just want to quickly say that I had read an article about uh, something that the police chief had mentioned. I guess they are apparently throwing fecal matter now and um a urine but of course that's always been around but my goodness these people are, are out of control out there what the hell is going on with portland i really don't get it seems like all the crazy people live in portland now wow interest interesting stuff really i think i have a call here oh my goodness is that you that's me is that you i think so <laughs> what, what's going on same old same old hey i'm on oxygen now can you believe it? I walk around like a screwdriver. <laughs> what was that? You're on oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, I went for chest scans. I haven't gotten the results back yet, but they did a pulmonary test my last checkup, and they put me on oxygen. So I'm a scuba diver now. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Well, I hope so. But now I really feel like an old fart. <laughs> oh, no. I don't mean to make you feel that way. It's just... No, that's no, never not you. Oh, oh. The, <laughs> the oxygen. Oh, yes. I always thought if you just breathe in more, you could do it. But no, it's, it's there's a little special purification or something going on with the oxygen. I've got the, I've got the auto box in the house, tanks to take outside. No, I don't smoke around the tanks because they explode, but you can vape. <laughs> and that's what I mostly do anyway. Are so you a smoker? You're a smoker. No, not real. Well, not. 
not like I used to be. Oh, no, you were before. I oh, big time. Yeah. I didn't know that until up till last a uh, year ago, April. Oh wow! So it's, it's been a while since I pretty much quit. You got to stop. I have an occasional cigarette, maybe once or twice a month, maybe. Mm. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but pretty much quit. That's Feel good. Better. Yeah, that's good. It's never good to get too into the nicotine. Anything. Or anything, really, yeah, or anything, for that matter. That's true. You think about it, TV is an addiction to some people. So is coffee. And just as destructive. Yeah, and so is coffee. Yeah, anything, really. Yeah, you got to keep everything in moderation, and indeed. Um, did you have anything specific to say? Did, did you hear the whole Rob Lowe thing? Yeah, I was going to, I didn't read the, the uh, article. And I was going to ask you to extrapolate on it a little bit. He also said that he believes in ghosts and, and nothing is uh, staged during his his TV show that he has going on, which I guess... Well, I haven't seen it. it. Well, it hasn't premiered yet. It begins August 2nd on Amy. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I don't have TV. I don't have cable. You'll, I have YouTube. You'll be and able to... It. Yeah, you'll be able to find it on YouTube, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Someone's going to upload it there. I've always liked Rob Lowe. You know, I, I like him, but then I think back about some of the things he did, and I, I just feel a certain way about that. Well, I hadn't followed him since. Uh, well, he did something in the eighties. I, I mean, <laughs> I rather, I rather not say what exactly he was up to during those times. But you know, as people, we change. I, I just think um, I'm still a little, still a little iffy on him. Well, like I said, I haven't followed him really since right. he was on uh, West Wing, so Understood. I really don't know what he he's was a, up to. I would just say he's a talented actor, though. Yeah, he is. He is. Yes. That he is. Mm-hmm. I, I I am interested in seeing his show, however. Very interesting to see this, even though I'm kind of done with Bigfoot, to be honest with you. Yeah, I just, I wish... I'm kind of checking out. Alone. <laughs> I'm kind of checking out on Bigfoot. I don't know why. I, I just think it's, I'm done. I hope they never, never verify Bigfoot because if he's so scarce that he's still a legend, uh, mm-hmm. he, there, there must not be a big population. And the minute people find out that it's real, then he will be extinct. So just, I just assume he stay in there. I'm good with that. Yeah, I would too. I just don't. I'm just not that interested anymore in Bigfoot. Essentially, yeah, that's... Bigfoot and UFOs uh, have all just done... You, you know, essentially, that. Bigfoot is what got me interested in a lot of things that I do talk about. That was sort of like the Trojan horse, in a way. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still interesting. I mean, there are some people that can make the, the topic interesting. But I, sure, I'm burned sure. out on Bigfoot. I'm burned out on UFOs. I'm burned yeah. out on aliens. You know, that might be it. I think I might be burned out. That's a good uh, good uh, wording for it. I'm a little burned out on Bigfoot. That's kind of the truth. <laughs> all the, all the years. Yeah, you know, all the, right, all the years of reading about Bigfoot, that's probably what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I could understand that. But I just... I just want him to be left alone, not just me. Understood. Anyway, you were talking about uh, legalizing recreational marijuana. All yeah, it's legal in all now in states. Mm-hmm, it's legal and now in Nevada, I'm good right? With that, as long as they keep the same rules for pot as they do for alcohol, you got to be twenty-one. No smoking and driving. Correct. No, and just the the same 
common sense rules. Right, and I think I think that's what they're going to cool. be doing. Yes, and I believe it. Maybe we can get some drinkers to switch over to pot, and they'd be a lot it, better it'd off. Be, it'd yeah. be a lot healthier. It's it's a lot safer to be honest with you. No one's ever died from it, of course. And yes, uh, legal for adults 21 and older to put, to buy and possess up to an ounce of marijuana. And of, of course, consuming it in public remains illegal. Well, what about in bars or a good question? Hot bars. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm not I'm not quite uh, knowledgeable in in what is allowed in, indoors or whatever. No, I'm, I'm speculating for a future. Right, right, right. Five, ten years when probably more states will legalize it as recreational. It is interesting uh, though to see where we are headed in the next, um, even the next three, two years, really. We've been yeah, changing so much. Society's been changing rapidly, I'd have to say. Well, I'd like, I'd like to see people start smoking pot and stop drinking altogether. I would be a lot healthier. I would actually, yeah, you know, I would actually, I do agree with that rather. I would rather have more people lighting up than drinking a a bottle of Jack and getting behind the wheel. That or just, I've never heard of a mean pot smoker. Me neither. I've heard of mean drunk. Yeah. Yes, I've, uh, I was married to one once, so yeah. By, by the way, a lot of folks drive um the they drive the wrong way, especially out in San Diego for some reason. Always driving to oncoming traffic. And it yeah. happens in San Diego very often. If you look that up, if you're curious, I've I've known someone that did something that idiotic before. What what are the vehicle laws for driving in Mexico? But they also drive on the right-hand side, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're still on the right-hand side, yeah. So maybe they think they're in England? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, many people have done this in San Diego. I guess it's confusing for them, especially while intoxicated, of course. Oh. Yeah. But, yeah, um, Nevada or Vegas, rather, they have fully legalized it. So if you're out there, you could light up now. And you won't really face too much remember? Yeah, and you're in Colorado, of course, and that you could legally get it yourself. And have you ever, have you ever gotten yourself anything of that nature, perhaps an edible or something? Oh, I just, when, when I live closer to Ridgeway, where there is a, um, a dispensary, I right. keep forgetting whenever I go to Ridgeway. I would just forget. I and you should I do that if you have to see if there are any in Montrose yet. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to smoke inside the apartments here. Right. In the in the old parts. Yeah, you know, if you have a <laughs> headache or a stomach ache or something of that nature, it would be better if you actually ate a low dosage of uh, of an edible rather, opposed to uh, Advil. <laughs> I was thinking more of making tea with it. Or tea, yeah, you could buy tea, exactly. There I'm, are I'm a little companies. hesitant on the edibles because I guess they, there's something that's put in them that isn't good for you. And Apparently. There have been people gotten sick from it, so. Yeah, nah, however, not the those aren't exactly, um, assuming those aren't exactly safe edibles that those people were consuming, um, the ones that are um, handled in. Colorado and California are ran through very strict regulations right. that would not um, would not ship any kind of 
contaminated product to the regular consumer. Um, the story you're referring to, I believe, is something that was being sold okay. by someone else. Nothing. Street, street mm-hmm. edible. P- perhaps I, I, I think that might have been the case, or someone that was not going through the regulations. Well, the other thing mm-hmm. is, you get you get the munchies afterwards, regardless. <laughs> I don't want to start off eating uh, and wind up eating more. So that's so yep. funny. Tea's good for me. Tea would be, yes. I've never personally tried that, but I, I've seen that everywhere. It's a, it's a popular thing. You could find that at most dispensaries out there. Years ago. <laughs> right, you, many before, moons ago. Before I went through men opas, uh, I would have horrendous cramps, sometimes up to three days. Mm. And I would uh, combine mint, chamomile, and pot tea and drink that, and boy, how he did that work well. Yes, and you know, I'm oh. gonna, I, I have, I hate to do this, but I'm gonna, pa- I'm gonna force you to pause yourself there on that thought. I, I do want to quickly say, I, I must give a shout out to those top ten countries out there that tune in. And since you're here, Star, you, you can follow along here. And of course, number one is always the United States. Number two star is the UK, and they've been battling it out for that number two slot with Germany, who is leading third. Always interesting to see that the UK and uh, the folks out there in Germany, Guten Morgen out there for those in Germany, um, they're following along too, and I think that's fantastic. Fantastic oh, stuff. You, where do you uh Get your readings from. Uh, straight from the server here that hosts this program, hmm. I could see the top 10 countries and listener minutes and sessions, and I could see real time, real active listeners. And by the way, number four is France, and the five is Canada. And the Canadians have fallen off again. I'm not exactly sure why. They were once number two there, and now... Yeah, Down to five. That. What happened? The, the Canadians hate me now? No. Is that no, what happened? Maybe there's a bacon fest or something going on. Maybe they're getting too high out there. <laughs> Who knows? And, of course, number six is Pakistan and seven, Iran. My goodness, Iran. I haven't seen that in a while, of course. Oh, Pakistan. have you? Mm-hmm. Did you see there is a, a big uprising of Iranian people? Wanting to overthrow the Iranians the were angry. What happened? Uh, it's on YouTube. I gotta check that. And out. I just yeah. saw it today. If I can find it, I'll send it to you. But this this woman that's headed up this coalition, which is really gonna get in their face, and it just thousands and thousands of people are on board with it. Uh, yeah, there's there's something going on over there that's really good. I have to so, check that out. Yeah. How are the people? Got to see what's going on out there in Iran. And, of course, eight is India. I, I think I might know who that is. I, I remember, if I remember correctly, it might be someone who was listening very long ago out there in India. So I, I hope it's him. I would, I would, uh, I came up with his little nickname, his, his, um, I forget his real name, but I would call him Kamal. And he is a, is a great guy, and I really do hope it is him. And of course, number nine is unknown. Um, who knows where that is? Parts unknown <laughs> is number nine. And of course, number ten is Australia. Great, Yay! great place, yes. 
so my hat's off to all those great folks out there, those international listeners. I appreciate you guys so much for listening to this program. Always a good time. So back to um, the meat and potatoes of this conversation uh, down to medical marijuana. Um, so what were you saying, Star? I'm sorry. Oh, just I'm glad it's becoming legal right. uh, throughout the country. Uh, hopefully people will switch from booze to pot. Or hard drugs. Or, yeah. If yeah. they can, if, if they can, they might have to take something stronger than pot. They might have to take something like um, maybe psilocybin mushrooms or LSD. Well, that stuff you usually should have a, a uh, you shouldn't do a little alone. Oh, of course not. Of, of course <laughs> not. Yes. It'd be a good way for that individual to open up their mind and get that life review and hopefully it would change them for the better. Yeah, I have, I did, I think I did LSD a couple of times. I did sure once and that was back in like 60, 70. Were you hanging out with and Timothy Leary? Yeah, it was okay, but no. Nah. I just, I like to be aware of my surroundings, what's well, going course, on. Well, of course, of course. Those are, those are properties that you shouldn't be consuming on a, on a regular basis at all. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. No, that, that's yeah. once in a while, maybe for a celebration or something. Right, right. But again, I, I wouldn't want to do that stuff alone. Yes, I'm not advocating the use of any of these, these, um, properties that come from all sorts of different places. Um, I'm just saying that these things are being used as medicine today. Yeah, I I wouldn't do it myself, any of those anymore now, just because of my age. But I can't speak for another person. I right. don't live their life. I don't have their body. I don't right. know what condition they're in. We don't live so, our lives through their eyes. I, I have enough on my plate with my own life to live. I'm not up to telling other people how to live. Exactly. I never like telling people what to do or how to do this because I already know people are going to do what they want. And I don't like to control people either. No. That's a very, no. that's a very disgusting habit. A human habit. Yes. Trying, to, trying to control others. I think that's yeah, they're, they're, gross. They can be very nasty. Very nasty. nasty. Too, too damn nasty, and it's there's too yeah, much of that going on. Freaks. There's too much of that going on in today's society. I think we have really gone away from what's important in life, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. So I'm looking at the time here, and I am running out, unfortunately. Me um, too. I'm starting to nod off. Yeah, it's getting late here. I'm looking at the time, and. I do want to say thank you very much for listening to the program and, of course, calling in here. Um, As always, I love your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, I really appreciate that. And I do want to leave you with the final word before I shut this thing down. Oh. Any any <laughs> any words of wisdom? Oh, 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 I thought you were leaving me with the final word. I am oh, leaving okay. you with the final word, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I thought you were going to give me the final word. This is, <laughs> yeah. That's this, a few. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Don't be confused. Be smart. Nice. Use now, you better do the final word because I, <laughs> I think I blew it. It's so okay. Oh, I know. Listen to your heart. That's the final word. Very nice. I, I do want to thank you for calling in, and I'll talk to you in the near future, Star. Okie doke. You have a good weekend, Mike, you and too. a wonderful 4th of July. Oh, thank you. Happy 4th of July to you, too. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. And that, of course, was Star. 
If you're listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, that's 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. If you enjoy this program and want to help fund this project, go to michaeldeacon.com. This program completely depends on its listeners. That means you sitting there listening. Share this with your family and friends. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Sherry. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, you can just see it in his career. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. I'm gonna be real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. You guys are, you guys are really good. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That son of a bitch. I, I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the buttons, and you think, what the fuck do you have in your pocket? What the fuck are you gonna be smoking tonight about midnight? That's what I want. Just the most incredibly well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, other than... <laughs> Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what? Flawless victory.